Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Looks like I think there's one right up there. And then, wow, look at that. Teamwork makes a dream work. Give it up for her. Come on. You know, every week, one of my biggest observation is just watching the team behind the scenes of how much that goes into communicating God's message uh, contextually here at City Life, and it is so beautiful. You know, some people say, well, okay, like, do I have to serve? And I think, man, it's such a shallow thought. We get to serve because we just, it's just like our excuse to be close to each other. So there's my pitch for being a part of the behind the scenes teams and all that goes into it. Got to see our kids this morning putting some tape down on the cords because this stuff matters, like what sign, where to go, places and spaces. So shout out to the dream team, man. I'm so thankful for them. (laughs) Thankful for you all. And again, the other side of it is like, well, I'm here. I I want a season of healing. Sit back. Enjoy the ride. For real. It's all good. Every one of us are going to be in, uh, you know, different rhythms and different cadences, and so we create that space. Uh, We're continuing our series, We Are. My name's Jerome. I get to serve as the lead pastor here, and the essence of this is coming out of our vision mag, and our emphasis this year is that as a people, there's a lot that goes into our playbook that influences what we do, but it just simply is. Or another way, another way to word that is we are. Now, we are human beings. And since we are human beings, we do some stuff. Like all of us sleep. All of us eat some food. Why? Because we're human beings. And there's things that we do consciously and subconsciously and we make decisions, but we genuinely believe that who we are will influence what we do. And if we don't remember who we are, we'll just go out and do a bunch of stuff that needs to be calibrated, that needs to be uh, maybe even worse yet cut, or we'll do it with the wrong motives or reasons. So the more we can understand who we are as a people, we'll influence where we're going to go for the next seven to ten years. We're coming out of eight years of a church and we're going into the next lap. Uh, seven years, but there's a year for pre-launch, so that makes it about eight and change. But then our next lap, we're calling the next seven years, and we're trying to get prepared for the next season ahead at City Life. Now, whether you're coming in the story here that you just, uh, this is your first day, or you've been a part of it for many years, amen. We're all part of one story that God is writing here, but the question we're asking this year is not what we're going to do, but when we get there, wherever there is in the future, who are we going to be? Who are we going to become? In our vision mag, we're going through uh, who we are as a church, uh, what is our mission statement, and then now we're diving into discipleship. And the last couple weeks, Devin did a phenomenal job introducing discipleship, the life that we all want. And then uh, Ron did a phenomenal job, Father's Day, showing us the heart of the Father. And we're going to continue that. We don't want to move on. You maybe heard like, okay, I get it. We're disciples. We are loved. Uh, Can we just move on? Can we fix our life? That is profound, that we're disciples and we are loved. So this copy is available free uh, online, but you can get them at the Connect Center for a small price. Today is We Are Disciples Who Make Disciples. So we are. 
disciples who make disciples. We enter the kingdom of God through faith, by grace, and as we're in that, we're proclaiming who we are as a people, where as a church, meaning a body, we, using the whiteboard today for those that are listening, I'm writing this, so bear with the patience if you're on the podcast. We are a, not the, we are a good news, what? Church. And this doesn't mean building, it means people set apart, called out. And we are a good news church who is loving the city one life at a time. We spent a couple weeks breaking down our mission statement and you know, extracting the elements in it. And let's continue to inch along. So if we are loving the city one life at a time, well, how does that speak to our discipleship strategy and our formation? Well, that God is love. It's just the nature of Everything he is. The city, meaning we say Lansing, 517, and the world. So in other words, this is like people plus place. And we could say, well, it goes all the way back from the garden, and then it ends in a city. So it's the bookends of all of Scripture. We're created, so get created, creative. Go create, like, take, like our Father, take dominion. Um, be fruitful and multiply in everywhere we go, that there is no, nothing separate from the move and the mission of God. But at the end of the day, one is the biggest number because one is me. One is you. This is us. And our formation is that each one as a disciple will know they're loved, belong, and have purpose. It's like, okay, well, how does that connect? Well, that's the point of the next couple weeks. And when we say life, what we're meaning is new life in Christ first. That true life is found in a person, not a destination, not an achievement, not something that we can add, not accolades, not something in our resume. We can't add or take away from the finished work of Jesus, hence why it is a good news church. We're not a programmed church. We can't create enough initiatives to change the world. But if disciples are discipled and then unlocked to the world to be the church on the move, well then therefore we start to then permeate spaces and places that people will taste and see and know that the Lord is good. And how will the world know that we are Jesus' disciples? By our love for one another. There's something deeply connected to love and each other, which is why it's God, you know, we got our vertical, but then we can't get past the horizontal connection with people. But whenever we work the equation the other way, people are going to show me God or that I'm going to show them God first, well, we're going to be exhausted. But when then we remember, oh, it's built on the finished work of Christ, this is why the good news 
is pivotal and central to everything we do, which is that we were dead in sin and that God loved us so much that sent Jesus and that if we believe in him and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we are made brand new, new life, and now I want to follow him because if I genuinely understand what's happened, that my life is no longer my own. It's a good thing to lose my life. There's no obligation to it. I want to be a disciple Now, the only time I ever heard the word disciple was there was a, a, a gang in the school, and it was called Gangster Disciples. And I was like, what? I never even heard the term growing up. So if you grew up in church, I'm, you know, props to you if you know the word and you know it deeply. But one of the things that I've realized in life is i got to unlearn some things and learn some things. So let me never assume that we all know what this means. So disciple first means that we are a learner, like a student. A student that is being led by our rabbi, our shepherd, our Lord. So it's one thing to say, like, oh, Jesus saved me. Okay, the cross, the power of the cross, you know? Amen. But if he saved me, well, then he deserves all of my affection, my attention, and my allegiance. So my life is no longer my own. So as Jesus then, though, has transformed my life instantly, we know we don't, it, it, we don't just get mature overnight. God longs for us to grow, and we grow as a people, as disciples, learning with uh, each other in Jesus as we're connected with Jesus. But sanctification takes a long time, and there's ebbs and flows. That's why whoever tells you that it's going to be easy, absolutely not. In fact, Jesus said it's going to be hard going to be difficult it's going to be narrow there's going to be few people on this road of discipleship but do not be overcome by fear do not be overcome by the level of doubt or or waves that the storms will come that jesus has overcome the world be of good cheer the one who lives in us is greater than the one who lives in the world which means we got to disconnect with the world and we got to connect with god and so as disciples, we then we start to learn practices like Sabbath or fasting, prayer, uh, reading, sp- uh, spending time corporately gathering. And so our formation strategy fleshes out into three things that you'll see in the weeks ahead or if you skipped ahead in your vision mag, you've already read it, which is together we gather to grow as disciples. And we also grow in smaller settings together in groups. And then together we go love the city one life at a time. And our speed of this mission is twofold. One, me, two, we. And it's like riding a ride where it's we. <laughs> That's what we say. We got, it's better together. Which if it's better together, okay, which can I confess? It doesn't always feel better doing it together. Because I like things, doing things in my own time, my own pace, and I don't always want to be connected to you. Well, is that bad to admit that? You always want to be with people? But I realize that God built it in. It's baked in. It's hardwired in me. I need people. I need you. And so to, to be better together, we have to be together, too. So there's a gathering. There's a connection as disciples as we think of, okay, We are disciples who 
who make disciples, which means I reproduce what I am, so I therefore have to be a disciple. It's, it's the essence of who I am in Christ, be to receive. So our three components of discipleship formation is to understand that we're loved, we belong, and we have purpose. So today, we are disciples who are loved. And that's a complete sentence. Well, let's move on. Like, how does that flesh out? Sure. Are we sure we understand that? Well, what would be a good indicator if sometimes we're, we're off track? Well, when insecurity creeps in, what voice is winning? The lies of the evil one or the truth that our security is in Jesus, who is perfect and doesn't lose one of his sheep? And I'm primarily speaking, or not primarily, I'm speaking right now to just the body of Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, well, have fun looking at the hood. You get to see a kind of uh, underneath the hood of who we are and not just what we do. And of course, people would understand that like we're salt and light and they would taste and see that the Lord is good through us and they would see our good works. But the essence is understanding, man, we are loved. And that's enough. We're loved by the ultimate, supreme love, perfect love, God. And this instantly becomes hard to receive because maybe you've had bad experiences of love, transactional love, conditional love, or people that said they would be there for you, and they weren't. But when all the dust settles and all the people and relationships and the accolades fade, there's one who remains, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Emmanuel, that God is with us. He loves us. Number one, God loves me. And then the next response is, I love God. And then it flows. I can look at you and say, I love you. Well, how do you love me? You don't know me. You're right. And when I get to know you, I might not like you that much, and you might not like me. But when we're in Jesus, we realize our Father in heaven loves us both. And so we're committed, and we're connected. So let's be intentional to keep the main thing the main thing, keep what's on the forefront. Look at in Matthew 22, what our teacher tells us, they're Jesus, um, God himself, God in the flesh, so even sometimes it's hard to reconcile, okay, teacher Yes, but Lord, Savior, yes. And they ask him, what command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This means everything. Everything in us, the reason we're created is to be connected deeply and love God. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. But sequentially, you have to understand yourself, loving yourself, before we would even be able to love our neighbor. And then I love that it says, first, it's connected to the deep, 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 deep God love. All the law and the prophets depend on these two 
commands. Now, if you've went through the Old Testament, it's big, it's dense, and it's hard to understand what's happening at certain moments unless we understand the overarching theme that, that this is pointing to we need a Savior, we need the Messiah, when's the Anointed One going to come? And then Jesus, as we now see the other side of it, that he rose, he ascended, and he promised to return, we're in a different timeline. But you can only imagine if you rewound then, and you're thinking, all right, you're telling me all the Levitical law, you're telling me all of the, the, the constant level of trying to be right with God and never being enough, the generational story of, of being just bombarded with your father's sin and it carrying over time and time again, and then the want to say, oh, give, give us a king, give us a judge, and we want to be like the rest of the world, but yet what was special was God with them. And then the presence of God taken away the silent period before Jesus would, would the, before God spoke and before Jesus showed up, there's just a deep level of say, okay, can you make this thing super simple? Like, can you make, I, I love this question because it's like, can you just make it super simple? Now, for some of us, we want it super scientific. And may I submit to us today this, that Jesus made it really simple to enter and really hard to stay. He's like, come anybody! And those that stay, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. This is the way. And then there's, in John chapter 6, it says, many disciples, verse 66, many disciples left him that day. They're like, man, I thought, I thought this was going to be concert. I thought this, we're all going to get food every day. I heard there was miracles. I heard he might be giving out some goodie bags. I think we might get a house. And I think, especially in our context, we get a, there's a warning, like the American uh, dream can sometimes influence our understanding of God, our theology, our doctrinal direction of how we're formed in motion with Jesus, meaning sometimes he's kind of like a, the movies where, you know, you get the, the genie and the genie gives you three wishes. You're like, oh, I'm in. Okay, God, here's what I really want. Now, he is a good father, which is, this is so, such a mystery. Well, he, he actually gives you more and in the right amount of timing what you need and want. Like, it's just, it, it, there is a level, like, he does like to give us good gifts. And he's not, we're not trying to go out of our way to live a suffering, but but there is suffering in following Jesus. But he's a good dad that wants us to bring all our issues and requests to him. But yet it comes all the way back to, you imagine trying to understand all the law, all the prophets, all the stories that you've heard from old, all the, uh, the Torah, memorizing all of this. And then here comes Jesus and he's saying, look, they had heard this before. They had heard this because this teaching was prevalent. But what he does is he adds and he says, look. Love your neighbor as yourself, but then he says, as I have loved you in another passage. And how did Jesus love me and you? No greater love than this, than the one who laid down his life. Dare I say that uh, someone might lay down their life for a good person, but who would lay down their life for an enemy, a bad person? Which we're all in that category. The love of God. 
as they sang it in worship, you know, is, is the, the creative way in that song is the reckless love of God, and obviously that is not, God doesn't leave, he doesn't leave like carnage everywhere as his love shows up. In fact, his love brings order, but it looks reckless the way he would just rip every barrier and get right to you, like, whoa! It, it's a hyperbolizing way to describe, that's how passionate God is for me and you. So if that's what God did for me and you, and we can look at the finished work of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, then naturally our response would say, I love God with my whole heart, with my whole soul, and with my whole mind. But then why is there a battle? Well, because the enemy, he doesn't just come to steal, kill, and destroy once. He accuses the brethren day and night, me and you. He's saying, oh, was that real? Does God really love you? Look what you did. Look at your thoughts. And it's a lie. Well, that's where Romans 12 teaches us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So, of course, how that then fleshes out is to be with Jesus and to be like Jesus and to be in God's word and to be in community. So I realize I'm preaching to the choir, but preach to the choir. Don't stop, man. I love it. I want more of him. Carry Bibles around like it's travel luggage. It's a line from one of my songs. <laughs> because I think, man, I, when I'm in the choir, I love hearing God's word. But, of course, the enemy comes to pluck that out. But may we store his word in our heart. Therefore, we won't sin. I might not sin against you. So to sum it up pretty uh, like in a simple way, okay, what does this mean then? Well, maybe it would be like, I love you. If you can't remember anything, you just, okay, I love you from God. Like, I love you. I love you from God. You know, so Ron shared last week, like, the prodigal came home, and God threw a party. The whole chapter is filled with just God loving the one, you, me. I love you from God. Two, I love you to God. That's why we can, we can fake it, but when we're home alone, only we know if we're saying, hey, God, take my life. And just to invite you into my prayer uh, secret place a lot, it isn't some glamorous where I hear like organs and I hear uh, like angelic choirs. Most of the time it's like a wrestle. It's like, oh, like, God, I love you. Why am I perplexed? Why am I frustrated? Why am I concerned about these things? You know, and it's just like this constant exchange to remember, okay, death, burial, and resurrection. Because it's the good news that is saved me, but it's also saving me. And then sometimes we, we wrestle and say, well, if I'm a disciple, why do I still have a wrestle? Well, that is what it means. Now, if you weren't wrestling and we weren't convicted, that's when we get calloused, numb, and that's a scary place to be. Because we think sometimes, well, uh, for sure there's mistakes that we make, and well, why do I keep making them? Well, to understand God's love, I, I think the mistake meter gets a little shorter because love leads to obedience. It's God's kindness that leads to repentance. And then you realize he's not shaming you. He's not blaming you. But every time we mess up, we just want to hide and go back to an old way. 
We want to hide and just think, well, I'm not good enough. I might as well not show up anymore. That's why shout out, the more you show up, the shout out to the more we just get uh, day by day renewed. We're going from milk to meat. I love you. Then we can look at the person and say, well, who? You. I love you. I love you. We're here to carry each other's burdens. And I want to take you to, as we look to land today, a love story out of John 21. Picking it up from verse 15, and um, if you're familiar with Peter's life, just a brief character bio highlight is Peter is passionate. Peter is the one you maybe you've heard that walked on water. Peter is the one who cut off the soldier's ear when Jesus was being taken, uh, that eventually led to his death on the cross. And Peter is also the first to say, you're the Lord. So Peter is really, I'm not sure all the character breakdown of the science of Peter's personality, but it's fair to say he has high highs and low lows. So one of the assumptions I make about myself, because I know myself, I have high highs and low lows, but anyone else who's really loud and proud, the public praise doesn't necessarily mean like you're not having private wrestles or struggles, or on the other side of that could be some pitfall. Well, Peter has this crazy pitfall. He's like, Lord, I'll never deny you. As soon as we say never or absolutes, we're like, actually, Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me three times. And we don't have enough time to, 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 to dive into that, but how did he deny him? You know, you're just like, what? And they're asking him, do you even know him? He's like, I don't even know him. And Jesus is watching this happen while he's being taken away. And it says that they, the soldiers, they put a fire because they wanted to get warm, and it was the last time Peter was asked, do you know this man? He denied him, and then Jesus had told him, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times, and then Peter hears the rooster crow, he comes up in his right mind, and he's really sad, and he's and he just grieving, and he's like, oh no, I let Jesus down. Well, then we fast forward now into John 21, where what does Peter go do? He went and returned to what he did. He was a fisherman. So he goes back after he denied Jesus, and then Jesus shows up on the scene where Peter is fishing, and there is a campfire in the background. And just remember that, because where the campfire was previously, Peter denied him three times. And now where the campfire is this time, Peter's out, he's going to go fishing, and he's going to catch some fish, and they're going to eat later, and they're going to just go about the day-to-day, and Peter's probably thinking, I'm never going to be on the team again. I'm never going to be used by Jesus And if I I let him down then, and he's probably thinking, I don't deserve to be used. You know, this idea like, well, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Who said? Who said? The one who loves you gives you a confidence and authority anyways. And this story is such a beautiful picture of God's love. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, there's a lot of speculation into the word love used here in Greek. There's agape, phileo, and that, that's not where we're going to dive into. There's kind of a, a, a we're going to 
There's an article that I was studying from the Gospel Coalition by Peter Kroll that did a really good job to just keep the main thing the main thing. And I'm going to reference some of his things as we continue to read here. And he says this, Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Well, feed my lambs, he told them. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Next verse. Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. And he asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Now, in one sense, this almost feels like a, like, like a heavy order. Because he tells him, Peter, you're going to go die like I did. And that's how you're going to glorify me. And so go out and feed my sheep. You think, dang, this following God thing sucks. Like, come on, there's no way. There's no way anyone in your your right mind or their right mind, if you tell them, man, I heard from God and this is what he told me, your family is going to flip out, freak. You're going to leave the family business and go follow this Jesus and then die for him like he did? And you're going to go feed his sheep? <laughs> right? Unless, though, you realize the one who's speaking to you in the context of what he's speaking to you because Peter's mistakes three times. Now he's met with grace three times. It's like, oh, you never deserved to be in the team. It wasn't on your merit anyways. It was on my love. I'm the good shepherd. And you're not going to go back to your old ways. So the setting really matters. The campfire, that matters. The flow of the story matters. That it's met with, oh, in your old profession, your old name, Simon, son of John. Your new name, now I've given you, Peter, meaning rock. That there's a new nature in each one of us. That in every setting where we have been known for our mistakes, in the, in the settings that we've been known to just practice sin or the shame, that God would enter that very setting to love us enough and say, this is how I'm going to recruit you. And I look at Peter's life and I think, if that's how he recruits Peter, and you know, I can testify, that's exactly how he recruited Jerome. It's like he'd take me back to the same settings where I would just be known for destruction and death and mistakes. And he would breathe life into that and his love and his mercy. And then a new profession that's modeled by Jesus, the shepherd, that his love shepherds people. And then when we partner up with he's doing... Like, we have way more purpose than just fishing for fish. Now we're fishing for people, but then we want to see people grow up and be mature. And what is that root that they're going to grow in? They're going to grow in love. 
We're disciples that grow in love. And you might be here today, and, and this is what I want to end with, and, and we didn't have enough time to just look at all of Peter's life, but just to understand that his greatest mistake was met with God's grace. You might be here today and thinking, mm, if you only knew my rap sheet, if you only knew my thoughts, if you only knew, if God showed up for Peter, I know he can show up for you. But we got to be humble enough. There's three words like, I love you. But you know how we get deeply connected with God? It's these three words. I am sorry. And I think God just rushes in when we say that. I'm sorry for not loving like you. I'm sorry for picking the wrong profession and just going about my day and way. I'm sorry for just like going to my old nature and just my old habits. And God, I want to be in your process. I want to be a disciple. And then eventually who will make disciples. But I have to posture myself to be a student, to be a learner, to be somebody who says, yes, I am loved by God. And I love God. And I want to love people. So when we say this phrase um, here, like I am loved to love, this is where it comes from. It is so rich. It is so dense. And in all of the pages in Scripture, you're going to see God's love. You're going to see his patience. You're going to see his kindness. You're going to see some really hard rebukes. But you're going to see a loving God that many times was just, hey, here's the way. And love starts to then give us identity. Love gives us confidence. And love um, gives us a formation as we move about day to day. And that's where we're going to dive into next week some more. And I want to pray for us. We're going to watch an uh, informative P PSA in a minute, but um, I've sensed today, like, possibly there's just clouds over the formation of God's love for, for some of us. And it's hard to get it just because these clouds have crept in. Maybe bad habits, old ways, um, things that you think you'll never break. You'll never break. But I just believe that God's love is here to set people free today. It's here to renew. It's here to form us. As we're learning the playbook, you know, when I played football, you would learn the play, but you didn't worship the play. So if we say this is our play here at City Life, the whole point of the play is so that you're all in the right order so that you can play the game. So we don't just say these plays so that they can be something that we just know and where to stand. It's something that so we can live it. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment and just, where are you at with God's love today? Where are you at with receiving his love? Where are you at with loving him? I'm just going to focus on those, just those two right now. The love of God, receiving it, and then letting go of everything else in loving him. If you're here today and you say, there's been some clouds that have tried to stop the love of God in my life, I want to pray with you. You just raise your hand. I see those hands. 
and put it down. Do you put your hand on your heart? God, we thank you that you love us. Perfect love. Jesus. That while we were dead in sin, Christ died for us. And even in this moment, someone that hasn't put their faith and trust in you, I pray that today they would say, wow, God, I'm turning away from my sin and I'm turning to the only one who can save me from it, Jesus. Jesus. And God, we receive your love in a fresh way right now with no disclaimers, no commas. We just receive. We are disciples who are loved. It's not heavy, it's light. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak to your kids in such a unique way, Father, like today. In a fresh new way. And then we respond as a people today to say, we love you, God. We are chosen by you, God. And we know that you're a good shepherd and you won't lose one of us. And you will finish and bring to completion what you started. And you won't let us go. So therefore, we cling to you today. We thank you. We love you with everything we have. Our heart, our mind, our soul, and all of our strength, our whole being says, God, we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Well, before we leave today, I want to show you a little video. We won't have time to to worship at the end, but if you want to come back and stay or even watch the next service, picture this message with the worship in the next service. But we have a PSA, and this video is going to let us know what parking will look like next week. Check this out. PSA, PSA, public service announcement. We just found out the school district is putting in a new parking lot here at City Life. Shout out to the school district. But Ashton, what does that mean for us on Sunday morning? That means we'll be parking somewhere different. So we'll have team members and signs pointing us to the alternate lot we'll be at. Kendall, let's go show them where we go. This is where we'll be parking for the foreseeable future. Our team members and our signs will be directing you not only here, but also inside. So you're welcome. We're getting our steps in. Shout out to the summer bod. But on a serious note, thank you for adjusting with us as we get to gather together throughout this summer. You guys belong here. That's fun. So the new parking will be on the north side of the building. It could be a couple weeks. It could be a couple years. So let's be people that have a little bit of grit. Uh, we're not exactly sure. We, yeah, 
look, we're just happy we're getting a new parking lot and we're a part of this. This is a community center, so there's a lot of different entities and people and organizations that all have an input, uh, feel, and flow. So I know sometimes we would like to think that the world revolves around us, but one of the, the, the humbling, sanctifying things God does with us being at a community center is we practically d- don't even always know when and where and how things are going to flow, but we have to be gr- grateful and, and it, it practice an attitude of gratitude. So what I'm a- asking and actually thanking you in advance is that you're going to be people that have an attitude of gratitude to just maybe walk a little bit further. We're going to use a different entrance for two weeks to two years, and we'll see how that goes and how that flows, and then we will pivot and resume back to the south parking lot. There will be people there to say hi, and this is where the new parking will be. So maybe come a little bit earlier if there's a little bit further walking that will go on. And as Ashton said, get your summer bod on. More steps. It'll be amazing. We'll be here next week, 10 a.m. and 11.30. All ages, all races, and all faces, you belong here. We're going to keep loving the city one life at a time. And we won't stop until Jesus comes back and he makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives, y'all. I got fire burning fire seat, growing deep inside of me. The lie trying to be hiding weakness and it's cutting deep. It's losing sleep. Seems I'm choking who I'm made. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.